three, four. The common counterpart. Welcome back to The Common Counterpart. I'm your host, Mark. And I am Mark's muse, Josh. And this is season two, episode one. I love it. Season two just makes you feel like it's more official. It does. I'm a... Because, I mean, anybody can have a freshman album. Sophomore slump. I don't know. That's true. I think think you, uh, you've got the right... You've got your finger on the pulse, man. Well, I was just getting warmed up. In okay. episode one. Now, the problem, though, is that we didn't really leave, like, that season one cliffhanger. Okay. So, we're kind of just... This is, like, the fresh start when it moves to, like, a new network, or it does something oh, right. else, and it's like, hey, we didn't leave you with anything, but guess what? We're back, whether you wanted us to be or not. Well, at least the key actors have not been replaced. That's true. Yeah. This, the story will go on. Dude, first app 2022? I know. How you feeling? I'm feeling good. We're a little late. We are a little late, but that might be my fault. Mm. So, um, for all of the conspiracy theories I have about the world's response to COVID, I got it. You got it. I got the Omicron. You th- do you think, or do you know? No, it tested positive. But how do you know it's that one? Um, yeah, that's a good, good question. So, uh, I went to work, took my test, I went to start my class, and I told my kids, New Year... You know, the governor said you got to wear a mask inside from December 15 to January 15. And I might have implied that the people enforcing the rules were mask Nazis. Mm. Opens up the door. My boss comes in and says, you have to leave. Now, I knew what she meant. I knew that she, I tested positive and I have to leave for five days. I did not communicate that to my class. So they thought. The rumor was I was fired because I was a Nazi. Class is bugged. <laughs> And they're listening to everything. High school kids are so... They're the best. Um, now, it, it's, now that you are on the other side of it, I can be a little bit more light. Uh-huh. I kind of half smiled. You did not. Because you just went so hard on it like a week before on the podcast. I, I don't deny the existence of COVID. It's the ridiculousness of the response. No, for sure. I mean, but it, I don't know. The timing of it was just great. I, but And I will tell you... Um, I could have gone to work any day except for Wednesday. Wednesday was the one day. One day, um, I slept all night. I slept for six hours during the day. I just had nothing in me. So it really, it really did kind of take it out of you. And I've never been that wiped out. Really? Never. Not even like flu season. Not no, it interesting. was interesting. A whole different animal. Totally different animal. Um, and it was. I didn't even really feel sick as much as I just felt I had nothing. Now, does any part of you want to like rep another variant? Totally. Just be like, Essen. hey, uh, I got through Delta. By no the big, way, no um, uh, the guys that I'm listening to, the belief was is that you weren't going to be able to get another variant. You get COVID Correct. once, one, one and done. done. Correct. But they're saying that this thing has evolved enough, which is what viruses do. But as, as they evolve, they become less and less dangerous to humans and easier and easier to predict. So I would imagine if we get another substantial variant you won't be able to distinguish it between a common cold. Interesting. But I'm not a virologist, so I couldn't speak professionally. But it's funny because I asked you if we were going to record, and you said (laughs) it's up to you (laughs) once you told me. And I'm not going to lie. There was a part of me that was just like, do I just do it? And like we just go old school chicken pox style. Absolutely. We'll share popsicles. Well, I was like, I I told my wife, I was like, if you can guarantee that it's the Omicron one, (laughs) 
then I might be down because it, they are saying it's, you know, the easiest one to get through. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, especially in this profession, it's a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Like there's just, it's coming. And mm-hmm. the fact that I haven't yet. Or you may have. Or I may have. That's true yeah. too. But I mean, I don't know what it's been like at your site, but we have been losing kids left and right. 20%. It's a lot. Yeah. It's very substantial right now. And it makes it for a very difficult uh job for us trying mm-hmm. to even just manage those kids for them i get it a lot of times it's just like dude i'm not doing anything like yeah this is overwhelming everybody else is out but let's when somebody tells you listen you're sick and five years ago when you were sick you got to make a choice do i stay home for a day do i go to school nowadays you've been told you have to do x if you're sick you ha- if you're showing signs or symptoms, you have to stay home. Um, and that's the part that bothers me. People have lost the ability to make their own decisions. Um, because to be honest, again, I would have just taken Wednesday off, but I had to take five days off. Yeah. And I'm, I'm public sector. We're public sector. Can you imagine private? I got a buddy of mine. His entire warehouse had to shut down. Well, that's what I'm... The kind of difference that I, I see between, you know, different professions, not to put one over the other, but in this line of work, like five days off is a death sentence Yeah, for you because it makes your life so much harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, prior to this, as you're talking about sick days, how many times have you actually stayed home because you were sick in your career? I've been teaching for 20 years and I think maybe Five. That's what I'm saying. Bro, my kids were born on Fridays. I went back to work on Monday. Me too. I did. The, I did, Unfortunately, I had to do the same thing. You know that now you get paid maternity or paternity leave? Oh, what's good? Time to have some more kids. <laughs> I'm going to have some. I'm going to have some kids. But that's that's the difference, right? Like it, it, when it does, when it's for us, it does create more work mm-hmm. and it makes more stress and more hassle. So oftentimes, you know, we just teach through being sick. Mm-hmm. And obviously you do things to try and prevent it from being given to somebody else but this whole this is a whole different story yeah and what i think is not being sort of sh- uh portrayed by the media because kids are a better sell mm-hmm. than, than teachers are um if schools get shut down again it has nothing to do with children mm-hmm. it has everything to do with staffing because there's not enough subs and there's not enough teachers no and so when we can't safely manage children, which is our number one job, you can't have a school. And let's be honest, in, in a 2022, in a, in, a, in a culture of wokeness and victimhood and that sort of thing, there's only a few people that you can really bag on and get away with it. And I think public education is one of those things that any parent can say, you know, those teachers, they don't want to work. Those teachers don't know how hard it is to have a, a private sector job. And people we can say like, well, they are teaching your kid, but yeah, I kind of get your point. Um, when I was watching Chicago, I guess Chicago Union was saying they don't want to come back. Oh, okay. And the mayor, whose crime rate is just through the roof, disaster. Yeah, Chicago's been a rough one. We should do a series on Chicago. Well, you know what? Chicago's a disaster. It is a disaster. It's the, be- it's the most beautiful disaster that we have. <laughs> I think. Hey, right that now. was a Switchfoot song. Mm. You you're not a yeah, Switchfoot fan. I am. Oh, okay, perfect. It was their only really solid album. Beautiful Disaster, no? Yeah, it's a good album. Yeah. Dairy to Move? Yeah. Yeah, good solid. Hey, um, you 
really kind of channeled some 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 themes, and I really liked what you started with last last year, um, in kind of where in the direction you wanted to take this podcast this year. Yeah, would, I mean, would we, you like to introduce it? Sure. I mean, we had. I'm I'm always trying to stay. I I'm always trying to put my my thoughts into somebody who who just doesn't how do I put this who doesn't want to do work mm-hmm. but wants to know about things that are interesting yes right like we are people who love just like following rabbit holes mm-hmm. and you know doing deep dives and and tangents and going this way and that way and i wish that when i was you know in my early 20s like 10 years ago yeah a long time ago <laughs> that this information would be provided like i don't know i and we've had conversations like this before a podcast that we listen to whatever the theme is whoever it is like sometimes i just like to listen to it because i know nothing about it mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh this makes me a little bit more well-rounded not an echo chamber but mm-hmm. something that provides like not to say we don't have biases but just right. information about stuff that i find to be really cool about the world and so as we were trying to figure out what we wanted to start with because i Ideally, in my mind, if I was better at this, and maybe if I was a professional and mm-hmm. getting paid, I could put some time into making this thing happen. But what? I really like themes. Yes. Like, I like uh, like miniseries, right? Mm-hmm. You get the Netflix, you get the four four or five episode hitter. Have you, have you found a good miniseries? Uh, I mean, over the break, I watched a couple that were, you know, that were decent. Nothing, okay. Nothing too crazy, I guess. Okay. But for... January, I guess into February too, because someone got COVID. So we're a little <laughs> behind schedule. Uh, I, I wanted to do a series that I wanted to name The Forgotten. I love it. It kind of has like an eerie kind of feel to it, but also like... You want to look behind that curtain. Yeah. And and that's where the idea came from is just this looking at the world as like a place, as just one place, not a billion different little places, but one whole earth to know that there are just places here that people just have forgotten about, don't care about, mm-hmm. have used as the corner of your room when you were in, you know, third grade where you just shoved a bunch of stuff back there. So your mom wouldn't see it behind the door. Hey, your parents still live in your childhood home, right? Yeah. We have the OG house still. So you could go into the garage or the attic and you can find your toys or it's still in my closet. Yeah, your soccer cleats yeah, or something I still got like that. Stuff, I still, my bowling ball is still in my closet. <laughs> bowling ball. Yeah. I would love to see a tacket. Oh, with the bowl. shoes? What's good? Catch me at the lanes, baby. Uh, by the way, I stole a pair of bowling shoes when I was in high school. What I, were you going to do with them? I wore them. I thought I thought Ooh, I was... You're like ska. I, well, I, was, I thought I was bringing a trend. With Argyle socks, I bet. Yeah, to, yeah. The, to the high-end north e- area school. It was... Uh, no. It it, well, work. it did 10 years later. I was, I'm always ahead of the time. <laughs> Way so, ahead. Or you're so far behind that you're ahead. <laughs> yeah. But this idea of the forgotten, I thought we yeah. should tackle some places, especially because, you know, geography makes a lot of sense. And for everything that we talk about, there's always an impact. Mm-hmm. And so the next couple episodes, we're going to do some places that, um, some of which are a little more famous than others, but... Here's the hard thing is that we're going to have to accompany some of these with um, images on our Instagram. So I'll throw these up on there because that's really what sells it, right? Yeah. When you can visually see it, it's just so crazy. Well, and it's it's artistic. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also not small. 
Right. Like, and, and that's where I think we lose it when we start looking at smaller areas of the world and forgetting that it's one big place. Mm-hmm. When you start pit, putting some of these places together and you realize that they're kilometers wide, like R- that these are, I, I think of it almost, remember when we did the, um, the trash? Yeah. The trash episode, what's that called? The Great... The, the, the Garbage Patch? Yeah, the Garbage Patch. Yeah, the Great Pacific the, the, Garbage Patch. The Great Pacific Garbage Patch, yeah. yeah. I, it's sort of like that. Um, but I found a bunch more, and as you go rabbit holing, there's just an incredible amount of stuff out there. And that's the stuff that you're allowed to read. Which is weird, right? Because it's kind of embarrassing yeah. to me. And, you know, I know, uh, and, and this is where, when I, when I came in today, I, I talked about going down the opening Pandora's box. Because a lot of the stuff that, not only today's episode, but um, some of the other episodes that I wanted to look at... We will not understand the consequences of the forgotten for another 50 to 100 years. Which is what's scary. Exactly. I mean, my grandchildren will be dealing with some sort of unforeseen consequence because we decided to put this over here or we decided to stop taking care of something. And it's the devil's in the details. You don't know what you don't know. And so the fact that we've got stuff sitting around that served a purpose. That's that's what's killing me. Is no, it, it was good. It was All good, of the yeah. things we're going to talk about in The Forgotten, none of them are bad. Mm-mm. Like, this isn't an, an evil genius this that's, is, like, storing nuclear waste. And these are not Cabbage Patch dolls sitting in somebody's basement. Yeah. We're looking at square miles of real estate that nobody gets a chance to look at. <clears throat> no. But it's funny, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed this when you were looking, but there are people, I guess they're just like nerdy people like us, who kind of go on like these uh, pilgrimages to try and see some of these things. Like the same way that you would, I don't know, try and do all the national parks. Right. There are people I found on YouTube that are trying to just go visit all of these I don't even know what you would even call them. Like well, literally big trash dumps. Well, I mean, we've seen uh, ghost hunters. Sure. Uh, we've seen people that like to sneak into um, old buildings. I know there used to be a uh, um, sort of defunct, privately owned insane asylum way on the west side of, of Fresno that me and a buddy, we, we, we saw it because we helped somebody move. And we started wondering what it was. And we found out it was a defunct, privately owned insane asylum. Oh, so creepy. And we went, we went in. They still had medicine and cabinets and that's the part that's and and I was thinking about it because we we got a buddy Shane who really loves um, and grew up always going um, ghost towning mm-hmm. and he always said the best part about ghost towning is when people left they just got up and left with no intention of coming but well, they thought they were coming back and there so everything's there mm-hmm. and that to me is just what's cool and we're gonna see that a little bit today is. There's different forms of how we're disposing of things, but when mm-hmm. you can go see something that's actually intact, like someone is coming back for it, it's kind of fun. Well, and uh, you can only forget something for a certain time until it's no longer usable again. So why don't you tell people what we we planned on talking about today? So... I thought today, because I always love to keep it as local as we can, if possible. Now, the, the vast majority of our listeners are in the U.S., mm-hmm. and a good number of them are in California. Okay. So, Would you say a large number of them reside in the... the Central Valley area? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So we're going to talk about airplanes today, mm-hmm. because air travel is 
even to me still, I don't know how, some people are just numb to it, but when I go to an airport, it still just kind of freaks me out. Mm-hmm. There's just so much going on. I agree. And the fact that we're just in the skies mm-hmm. is insane. And it's made the world small. It's made the world the smallest. I mean, within a day. So I, I mean, and people have done the math. If, if you want to do something naughty, all you need to do is, is go to six airports. Los Angeles, San Francisco, Dallas, Atlanta, New York, and Chicago. And whatever you choose to do in those six places will be thoroughly around the world in 36 hours. Yeah, it makes total sense. And, so, and yet, you ever asked to look at the engine? Hey, before I get in this giant tube. So much trust, right? Yeah. I trust you guys. It's scary. Yeah. And so I thought with, you know, with air, with airplanes, I, I thought it would be an easy connection because I, I have a pilot friend. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He, he flies uh, private. Um, so really small aircraft. Okay. And I, it's a weird question Mm -hmm. because it's one of the biggest fears, but I said, Hey, how often do you think about like the plane going down? Okay. Kind of. Kind of grim, huh? After what? I said it, I was like, I don't know if this is the right conversation. And he wasn't like flying the following day, was no, he? Okay. I don't think so. But he goes, I don't know. How often do you think about crashing in your car when you get in? And I was like, never. And he goes, that's the same thing. I think about it almost every time I get in my car. Maybe you're a bad driver. Have you been in a car accident before? Dude, don't, I don't want to do this right now. Okay, just real quickly. I have. I haven't, but I don't. Now it's going to be a thing where we'll next week. Gonna, no, no, no. It's just once, once you've experienced it. There is always this replay. Sure, I get so. that. Well, as someone who has many traumatic experiences <laughs> in their life, I know exactly what you mean. But he said, I don't ever think about it. It's like getting in a car. Mm-hmm. So it's just the fact that we don't do it as often as pilots do. Or that you see guys who fly daily for their job. Right. Like they, get on, they go to an airport every day. That sounds so awful to me. And your office is the skies. It's terrible. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But I thought that people would be able to relate to this because... Mm-hmm. I want you to think about the new car market. And then I want you to think about the used car market. Booming. How many times do you think a car will change hands before it is reduced to a small metal cube? So I, being older than you, um, I would have assumed four or five times. That makes total sense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're gonna move this thing. People typically say, you know, you got about two hundred thousand miles on a motor if you've treated it right. This well, and import, this. not American. And the, oh, <laughs> easy, I'm a Chevy guy. So you 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 switch them out. You do all the things. Mm-hmm. So the difference here then is airplanes at some point are no good. Right. Like they they don't meet the standards. So when you're getting on a plane to fly over the Atlantic or the Pacific, and they said, hey, by the way, it's a used plane. We got a great deal on it. That's right. And we got a lifetime warranty. Now, the check engine light's been on. The guy said, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's it's right. Al- it's always on. Yeah, there's a, there's a minor leak. We just put tape over it so you can't see it. Right. So you, when, when a plane is done, and I'm sure there's some sort of time or... Yeah, there's protocol. Okay. I mean, X amount of hours in the sky. So what do you do with the plane that you can't use no more? Right. There's no secondhand market for 747s. Mm-mm. Because there is kind of a governing body that says, hey, I don't care if you can afford this plane. Mm-hmm. You can't fly this plane anymore. Like, yeah. this plane is done. And we won't even let it go to a, like a, 
a developing country. Which is what we do with our cars. Oh, I didn't know that. So okay. there's a fantastic, oh gosh, what was I reading? Where we will take our cars when they have very, very little value. That's why if, you've ever, if you ever go to countries, I'm not trying to hate on any of them, but if you go to like Bulgaria mm -hmm. or like uh, Turkmenistan or some of these other areas. Don't make stuff up. People are <laughs> going to believe you. Real country name. Where they don't make and don't produce cars, uh -huh. you'll see like 78 Hondas like just still grinding and that we will end up selling them uh -huh. for pennies on the dollar over there because here's the genius part. It's not about the money. Uh-huh. It's about the junk. Why do we why would we want to bury a car when they can bury the car when they're done with it? Got it. So it's it's past the trash. I've never thought about that. Past Did you trash. just say past trash? Past the trash. Past the trash. I love that. So when airplanes are done, they have to go retire. Uh -huh. So much like old folk homes, when they're no longer relevant, I'm just kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> Shout out to the old people listening. Uh, we have to find a place for them. So uh -huh. California is home to a couple, which I thought was really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, one of them is in the Mojave Desert, and one of them is just down the way from the Mojave Desert in Victorville. By the way... As I've dr driven through both Victorville and the Mojave Desert, I'm joking. I've never driven through either of them. You haven't? No, have you? Highway 58, baby. Okay, some of us grew up a further north than the armpit of California. How do you get to Vegas? Never been to Vegas. I hate Vegas. Oh, well, there you go. So if you drive to Vegas, uh -huh. uh, you have to go through Mojave. Well, you don't have to, but it's the way that you go. You it's take 58 okay. down through. No, I've been to Tehachapi, right? Yeah, it's, okay. it's, yeah. So if you keep going past Tehachapi, California City, Mojave. Okay. Uh, it's desert, desert. So yes. I'm trying to give people a reference point if they don't know, because Mojave is not great. Um, I would say it's maybe like three hours east of, uh, Bakersfield. Wow. I think. East. Because people don't think. People of, don't go east, baby. Yeah. There ain't no reason to go there. You go west in California. You never really want to go east. Right. Um, and for those people who've ever seen the eastern side of the Sierra Nevadas, um, not too many people live there. No. Thank you uh, to uh, Mulholland, who stole all the water from Owens Valley. Needed it. Okay. Talk about forgotten. Um, but it is a desolate place. It and, is. And your daughter summed it up. You get what you get. You get what you get. On the east side. The so geography is rough. How, how, first of all, how do you get a junk plane to a airplane graveyard? All right. So you have to have an airport. So there is an airport over so you, there. So you fly... You fly the junk plane into yeah. the junkyard. And it's really cool. I was watching um, something online where they, you know, it's a big deal. Uh -huh. Like, you know, you think about the way that a lot of these fighter pilots would, you know, write names on the side. They would draw the pinups. They would do all, like, the, it, it was their machine. Uh-huh. It's the exact same thing with these 747s. Really? Like, the crew that flies it in, like, they'll fly it in. Wow as like a last goodbye like they'll write on the side thanks for 12 good years 12 or whatever you know whatever it ends up being what if, what if marriages were like that <laughs> thanks for 12 good years see you eight later. years that was cool see you later so yeah so they fly it in so you have to have an airport okay now i want to get a little nerdy i love it when you do this gotta get a little environmental thank you i want you to tell me why the desert is the best place for an airplane boneyard Number one, uh, lack of water. And I don't mean lack of H2O, I mean lack of liquid water. Um, 
we don't have to worry as much about the water dissolving things. Corrosion. Corrosion. Because you can still, I mean, obviously iron will rust and the rubber tires will break down and the wiring will corrode. And every, every substance, copper, steel, rubber, they all corrode and break down in their own way. Now here's the crazy thing. When you put that plane together, there are tests for the lead in the batteries as to how safe it is for the plane. There is no test for how will the elements respond to desert erosion and will it impact air quality, water quality, that sort of thing. So we find this barren place, water's not gonna corrode it, um, and let's be honest, no one's gonna see it. Right, so we want zero humidity. Or close to it. As close to it as you can. And you want the groundwater to be as deep as possible. Because as things do erode and fall into the soil, we don't want that stuff getting down into groundwater, which does move. And so we don't want plain boneyard dropping paint particles and rubber tire particles and battery acid particles that would eventually make it into a groundwater that got sucked up by, say... Bakersfield or Los Angeles. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get out of my element here. Okay. I want you to know if you've ever heard of this before. Caliche. Caliche soil. I've heard of leche. Nope, that's milk. Leche, and I've heard of leach eight, but caliche soil. No. Caliche. C A L I C H E. I knew a caliche in elementary school. I'm I not don't think lie. this is him. Her. Her. Caliche. Yeah. Caliche uh, soil is one of the reasons why. They said, uh, this is a great place for a bone. Okay. Now, don't, don't now, get now offended, you, but I, now I, you're fact I, I am going to check. And I don't, I don't appreciate it because I know what I'm talking about. I'm kind of a soil expert. I don't even know how to spell. C-A-L-I-C-H-E. Wait, spell it again. C-A-L-I-C-H-E. Like Michael Che? At the end. Yes. <laughs> All right, young Jamie. What did you find? Um, there is a Wikipedia page. And it looks like it is dry and caked together. Yep, it's clay. Impenetrable. So it is a type of clay soil. Perfect. So the, one of the reasons why the guy who um, the article I was reading says that this soil works really well is because it's very, very hard soil. Got so it. you don't have to pave. Ah, interesting. Yeah, so using Mother Nature to its best advantage to save some coin. Which, by the way, I, I admire that. Which is smart. Yeah, it right? makes perfect I mean, sense. Why would you want to add more pavement? I mean, also Mojave Desert. Right. You know how hot it gets there? You want to add more asphalt? Bro, I used to work for an environmental consulting firm, and I had to go to an asphalt-producing plant in Mojave in the summer, and I had to do an environmental assessment on it. So sweaty. Well, because I didn't realize, I, I should have done the math, but I show up like at one o'clock and they're already Ooh, closed. Yeah, no, we work at 3 a.m. <laughs> exactly. When the sun goes up, we close down. And I'll tell you what, um, you ever listen to Queen of the Stone Age? Yeah. That, it's weird music, right? Yeah. But that guy grew up in Mojave. Really? Oh, totally. Yo, shout out to Mojave. Yeah, so it makes, the desert's a weird place, but a good place to hide airplanes. It is. Yeah. So those are some of the environmental reasons, which makes sense, right? So now that you know the hard clay soil, mm -hmm. you're not going to get any penetration from anything that's dripping, falling. Would you sign a waiver or some sort of insurance policy that says there will never be any environmental contamination from this graveyard? Well, no. There we go. <laughs> I would never do that anywhere. <laughs>
But what's really cool as you're walking around is I I was trying to envision it like we do a pick apart. Mm-hmm. You know, like you drive by those all the time. And for some reason, those don't bother people, which is mm-hmm. just, if you've ever been inside one, very nasty disaster. By the way, they don't have that clay soil that's impenetrable. And they did not pave their pick apart. No, mm-hmm. it's disgusting. And there's so much oil. It The whole place just smells like mm-hmm. uh, it's going to turn into a sinkhole at some point. Well, so is there some sort of protocol when you abandon or retire an airplane, whatever the polite word is? Do you have to take stuff out of the airplane? You do. Okay. So there's a whole process because there's a couple things. Number one is the largest military, majority military one, is actually in Tucson, Arizona, which, again, makes sense. Is it secure? It is. Okay. It's very secure. So when you when you do it with a military plane, which, again, there's such a wide range of things, helicopters, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. the first thing that they do is they have to do a process called demilitarizing a plane. Obviously, we can't have military parts just like sitting out. So technology. All the tech, the weapons, anything that can be used for anything. When it comes to the helicopters, they basically take off all moving parts. Okay. And so, and what they say that they do is that they crush them into small cubes, recycle them, and that money goes back to the government. Now, I don't know if that's like worth the squeeze at that point yes, or who's doing that because I saw the process in which they get rid of planes. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of rhyme or reason. It's like they let eight-year-olds in there with backhoes and are just like, hey, destroy this plane. And there's no recycling. We know that. Okay. So I I appreciate the fact that the, the military aviation graveyards are secure and our military technology is being taken out of the plane. Are commercial planes being recycled? So commercial planes are interesting because once they're done, they're pretty much done. And so they will sit. So on some of the stuff I was reading, uh, I actually watched a video tour of this guy that got access to go through. They still have the TVs, the pop-down TVs in the plane. The interior is still there. Like everything is exactly as it was left. They do take the engines. I guess the engines are made of titanium. Good to um, know. And that's it. That's valuable. And uh-huh. so they will recycle the pieces that are uh, like that. But some of the planes look legit like they just got parked there. And could, could we sneak in? I don't know. I was trying to find footage of, is this like an Area 51 situation? Right. Is it just a sectioned off part of the airport where there's no roads to get to? And so I didn't see. I honestly would be pretty interested to go check it out. Well, because and- there were quite a few tours on YouTube of people like with their GoPros and stuff checking it out. So I'm like, well, it can't be like now the military one. I don't think we're getting into that one. No, but the commercial one, I would actually be willing to go out there and check it out. Cause it'd be kind of fun. And could, so could I buy a fuselage? No. Okay. So it's not a pick apart. Okay. But they do take pieces of the, of the plane out. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the policy and protocol is like hey here's a plane from 19 here's a here's a wing from 78 can we just throw it's like i don't think it's like legos i think you get in trouble for that okay there's a reason why the plane had to be retired well but the the totality of the plane had to be retired but if i look remember um planet hollywood and hard rock cafe there's always half a car yeah i mean how cool would it be to have like the front end of of a plane so there were a couple people that said that they were that this guy who was working in there, he does turn some of these things into art and furniture and collectibles. Very subjective term. <laughs> That's true. I'm not sure what you would consider artistic, yeah. but he had this piece of an engine and he goes, yeah, I turn, we, we turn these into fire pits for people. 
I like that. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are, like, when I'm talking about playing graveyard, like this boneyard, I don't want people to think, like, Cespas. Like, these are 747s. 747s. These are double-deckers. These are Air China. These are United. These are yeah. FedEx. These are the biggest planes you've ever seen. And when they're done, it's just unfortunate, but they're done. Yeah. And I don't even know what the worth would... I mean, I don't know how much airplanes cost. Well, so, and this this goes to... And this is where I kind of hurt. You know, I am a diehard capitalist. I'm a huge fan of, of the free market. But when you get a a system like the forgotten, right? So we're looking at these airplane graveyards. This is a product of capitalism and the free market and democracy removed from community and consciousness. We've got people who said, listen, building this plane was 20 million, 30 million, $100 million worth. We ran it for 10, 15 years. We made as much money back as we possibly could. And it's not worth recycling. It's not worth repurposing. I have a hard time with this idea that let's spend X amount of dollars building it. We've created hundreds of millions of dollars worth of jobs. And then when we're done, we're done. We're just going to go dig in the dirt, find more metal, find more technology, and we're going to build now a $500 million plane or God knows how much they're worth, knowing full well that as much money and time and technology it takes to build these things, it's still disposable. I mean, it's almost like the value goes to zero, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, there's there, so much value. There left has in that to be plane. some intrinsic value to just the just. I mean, even the tires. I mean, just grind down the tires and do something with the tires. Yeah, it's. I and and I think for them, what it gets to is the money that's still in that plane. I mean, you know, it's not exactly like you can just use a standard car jack to get the tires off. You know what I mean? Like everything's just a lot of work. Right. So one of the other things I thought that was interesting is that. At the end of the Cold War, okay. this was really cool. You know, we signed a bunch of treaties with the Soviet Union. Uh-huh. And one of the things that the, the Boneyard also holds is just planes. Mm-hmm. Like, literal planes. So, one of the ends of these treaties said that we had to take 350 B-52s out of commission. No kidding. And they actually had to see them. The Russians. The Russians. And so we had to park them in this airplane graveyard. This is the one in Tucson, I Uh believe. And we had to allow Soviet satellite to fly over over and take pictures to show that these planes are, they are not in commission anymore. Got it. Like, there there are those. Uh Uh-huh. There are also planes that just, I mean, literally and figuratively never got off the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. Like... You know, prototypes. We we got to try some things. I mean, imagine what you know, Chevy and Toyota. Not not everything works. Right. So you have a plane that got, you know, nine tenths finished, and then you scrap the entire project because something went wrong. Mm-hmm. That's just sitting out there. Uh, and I I've got to wonder. Your I mean, well, the Cold War was what fifty years or something like that. Yeah. Did we really decommission? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The B-52. Can I just go ahead and turn those bad boys back on? Did we, did, did we just decide, let's let's build a computer program, let's build some models, and let's get those B-52s back in the air? Well, you remember in World War II when we built the fake army base. No, t- tell me about this. because I, I. Okay, so always everyone's spying in World War II. We're, we're trying to show where our strengths are and where we aren't are. Uh-huh. What we decided to do, one of the things, is that we had inflatable tanks 
We built an inflatable oh, base. I, I did hear about and this. And so yes. when the satellites came over, it looked like we were we had a huge mm-hmm. army in one of these areas when in fact it was completely fake. Yeah. Like what says these B-52s weren't fake? Well, uh, I know when we went in with the Enola Gate to bomb Nagasaki and Hiroshima, we pulled all the guns out. Oh yeah. And no we guns. just we put broom handles out. Yeah. So you had the impression that we were coming with guns, and we didn't have guns. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just funny that, that that's the type of thing. So those B-52s have to be in really good shape. They're just sitting there. And, and, and that, I mean, how much tax dollars is that? That's what I'm saying. Um, and that's, this is where I've got a really hard time wrapping my head around it. Think about, when we say the, the forgotten, I mean, there's an entire industry of people who make um, uh, uh, those Chinese take, takeout boxes. Oh, uh uh-huh. Okay, or the foil that goes on top of your yogurt. I mean, there are some things that are built to be disposable right away. Its function is to exist for a a short period of time because it was a wrapper or a straw or a plastic fork or whatever, and we we think nothing of getting rid of it. Well, I think we've collectively said we are okay with this. Right. We are. It's small enough. We are okay with depositing this back into the earth in some form or fashion. But at some point, we, we're going to run out of land. I mean, at some point, we're going to run out of water and air and space and that sort of thing. Nobody wants to live next door to the airplane graveyard. No. Or any other junk pile or boneyard or whatever you want to call it. Um, are you are you comfortable with the idea that that's our best solution I'm I'm not because it's and we're gonna get into this a little foreshadowing. It's not just planes, right. right? If it was just planes and we just had like these three, you know, I did the I did the math, and we Don't. have we have fourteen boneyards in the United States alone. That I'm surprised by that. There's one in Australia. Okay. There's two in Canada. There's one in Spain, one in the Netherlands, and two in the UK. Now, just looking at just the diff, right? If we if we bar graph this. Mm-hmm. One, two, one, one, two, 14. Right. And I'm thinking of geography. The Netherlands. So got, small. And you've got a ton of water. I know. And England. And, and so they are of varying degrees. Okay. And so they weren't all the same size as ours. And obviously we do a large majority of the flying. Like mm-hmm. there's a, there's, there's, there has to be some at least relative relationship between de- level of development of a country and the amount mm-hmm. of airplanes that yeah. run through. But then also just geographically, we lie dead set center between Asia and, and Europe. So we do a lot of flying. Yeah. But as you watch, because they do end up crushing these planes. Oh, but they it's do? it's just a slow process. Oh. So it takes a whole month to crush a 747. Okay. And the way that you think of it Again, like an eight-year-old in a sandbox yeah. is exactly what they do. There's a they, there's a there's a tractor and it uses the big arm uh-huh. and it just comes down and just crushes it until it's all the way crushed down. You're beating it with a giant yeah. stick. Uh huh. Yep. Do you? Why takes a month? Why it takes a month? Do you know if they take parts out? I mean, when when you consider that um, they do, they take the interior out first. Okay. And because obviously it makes it easier to crush. Right. You know what I mean? The shell. What you want is the shell. What it, I saw a couple that were mid construction and they almost look like convertible planes, like because they just rip the top off. I would buy a ticket for a convertible plane. Just get a ton of wind going through your hair. <laughs> the thing that I thought also was interesting that I don't, I didn't consider very often is we always think commercial mm-hmm. or we think military. 
we rarely ever think about shipping. I was just, now that you mentioned, I was just thinking at FedEx, UPS, Postal Service. One, yeah. of the, one of the graveyards that I saw an aerial tour of, there, there were hundreds of FedEx planes. Hundreds of FedEx planes. I don't know how you can invest. That's it. That's my point. How much money is FedEx making that they can have a hundred retired planes and are still like, no, nah, it's cool. We're still making money. Because how old is FedEx? I don't know. Do you? And, and again, some of our research is difficult because information isn't easy to get. Not stuff like that. I mean, for sure. So how much money does it cost to make a FedEx plane? And then. How much money does it take to crush? And then do they recycle this stuff? I mean, does it go to a steel mill and they melt it all down again? They say, but I don't, you know, I don't know what that means. How mm -hmm. expensive would that be? The, the, the part that's hard for me to wrap my head around is, is how often do you at 16 show up at a dealership with cash and buy a brand new car? I've never done that. Rarely does it happen. Mm -hmm. The only reason we typically can afford a brand new car is because we sold the used car that we had. Mm -hmm. So we're not getting to sell the used planes. Right. We've so, lost that, se that, that second market. So in order for us to buy brand new planes, there has to be, one, I think there has to be some funny money. Mm -hmm. And two, I think the profits are just so much larger than we even are exposed to like mm -hmm. i don't think that you can actually see how much fedex is making that's what and 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 that's, there's a number they report thank but you but then there's another number right and and there's there's subsidies and those sorts of things and do you get a discount i remember uh obama's cash for clunkers oh yeah so if if a the, couple of presidents have done something like that right I, I did not know that i think in the 90s someone did one too well it would have to have been clinton or bush bush one correct h um but do you get some sort of incentive? So do you say, listen, plane manufacturer people, I'm gonna, I promise to buy new planes every 10 years. And we right. will- Boeing's got them on like the, the, the homie hookup price. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and regardless of the economy and regardless of how much money we've made, we're gonna buy it. 2008, economy goes poo poo, right? And then all of a sudden FedEx and UPS calls up Boeing and says, hey, by the way, um, people aren't shipping. We're not making as much money. And Boeing's like, listen, you want a horse head in your bed? Right. You, you, you sign you, a contract. You're buying some planes. Right. FedEx calls up the White House. And so the idea still, all of this energy, all of this technology, all of the, 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 the financing, and yet 12 years later, these $100 million planes are still going to wind up in the desert. Not corroding due to humidity, but, but just sitting. And it's still, at some point, they're still breaking down. Well, and it's someone's problem. <laughs> you can't just leave it there for, I mean, can you just leave it there forever? I, it, well, I mean, it does depend. It's just going to be the old ghost towns of the early 1800s where people are going to like. Well, but ghost towns we can see, right? You can drive into a ghost town. Yeah. We can't drive into these places. I don't think so. I'm going to take a look because. Is the air quality tested? Is the soil tested? Um, do we bother to check the, the depth of water? Do we bother to see if there's an increase in titanium dioxide, which is in paint? Like anything that's white is usually with titanium dioxide. I don't think you want titanium in your air or titanium in your, in your water. So no. if, the, if the wind's blowing out of Mojave into Arizona, uh, do we see an uptick of kids having respiratory issues because of titanium dioxide. That's, that's what I was really hoping to find when we looked at these boneyards, these, 
these these airplane graveyards is there has to still be some form of decomposition, but no one's responsible for but, it. But I mean, the EPA has to be either doing it and not looking or looking mm -hmm. the other way because it is a desert mm -hmm. and no one's trying to develop it. I mean, typically EPA will come in when there is a project or something that says, hey, we are going to require an environmental assessment right now because we're putting in a mall, but no one's building out there. Well, okay. And I, you and I might differ on on this. UC Merced was, a, I believe, was a, an idea um, in the 60s. And it took 50 years to finally get this campus built because they were worried about the fairy shrimp. 50 years, right? The bullet train. Say fairy shrimp. Fairy shrimp. The animal. Yeah. What is? Where is that? Okay. Uh, quick is there pause. A is there pause a button on graveyards. Is there a lake out there? There's something called vernal pools, and they are seasonal pools. They're little areas where like when a pond. Like a pond. Okay. And so the water fills in, and these little crustaceans come alive, and algae, and you get this little ecosystem. Three, four, five, six months max. It dries out, and everybody kind of crusts back over. And the idea was, is these fairy shrimp are quote-unquote endangered, because you can call anything endangered, and so it postponed the building of UC Merced for 50 years. Gotcha. Bullet train to connect San Francisco to Los Angeles, you're not going to believe this, zero environmental impacts. Gavin said say less. Yes. And so when it comes to big government, big tech, big business, um, I'm sure, quote, you know, air quotes, um, when they do investigate graveyards, bone I mean, this yards. This is the FCA, right? I mean, I don't know who else it would be. F FEC? Wait. F wait who, are we talking about planes? Yeah. FCC? No, that's commission. We should know this stuff. Aviation. Uh, Federal Aviation Committee? FAC? Fact? I don't know. Hmm. You know, you'd think we would have uh, had this one written down. <laughs> but as, as somebody in charge of planes, you don't. You don't want to think about the end. For example, you ever considered about your environmental impact when they put you in the ground? I don't. And so if you're, I, I don't care. I don't care. Point, I'm right? going. I don't care. And so when, when the plane stops making money, you stop worrying about its impact on on the bottom line. And if you've got the EPA and the water board and the air board uh, saying, "Hey, by the way." We know you're putting these planes in here. We know that you're paying into the taxes. We know that we're getting take, taken care of. If we ever do test the air or the soil or the water, I'm pretty sure we're not going to find anything. Right, because you can, I mean, we've known, especially now, you can make it say whatever you want. Amen. FAA. FAA. Federal. Aviation Administration. Administration. Oh, I was thinking FCA. That sounds weird. Fresno, can we scrap that? FCA, Fresno Shipping That literally is what came up. I'm like, should I scrap that so I sound more smarterist on this podcast? Well, you I'm know an what? idiot. I think, I think people appreciate the authenticity. And how stupid I am. No, not at all. I mean, there's a, there's a lot. So this just kind of like just wet the whistle a little bit. Oh, when, when you said this to me in December, The Forgotten, so many things have popped into my head. And what's what's kind of sort of cringy looking forward is I do think that this one probably has the least amount of environmental impact. I think you might be right. Now that I didn't realize it was in, in the desert, so that would make sense, the least impact. There are some places that we should put a giant concrete dome over. And just say, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't ask like, questions. Oh, you thought Chernobyl was bad? <laughs> you got to stay away from this place instead. <laughs> well, hey. And that's the benefit. We do have a Chernobyl 
and a Fukushima. And we can tell people, hey, you think this is a bad environmental problem? This is nothing compared to Chernobyl. Where, right, you have, you have a marker, yeah, a line in the sand. Really. And as long as we can't blame the airplane graveyards for medical, environmental problems, then we forget about it. Which then again, too, like try and play the blame game on that. Yeah. Are you really going to say FedEx is responsible? This is a policy yeah. that's in place. I would blame the private sector if I was a government guy. But and if, if I, I was a private sector guy, mm -hmm. oh, I'm blaming the government because you said we can't fly this plane anymore. Exactly. Now, are you at all concerned at some point you and I might just disappear? Yes. Daily. It, yes. Like, I, the 80s were great for this. these movies. Some kid, some chess prodigy, some video game kid stumbled on some secret, and uh, the guys in black helicopter showed up and just gone. Well, I know where we can get a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> They're out in the desert. <laughs> Well, I am glad that we are back. 2022 is going to be great. We are going to knock through a couple of these episodes, hopefully quick to get us back on track. Mm -hmm. uh, but before we go, <sighs> there are some people in the world I love and respect, and there are some people I don't. But it doesn't take away the wisdom of their words. In the immortal words of Bill Nye the Science Guy, <laughs> to leave the world a better place than you found it, sometimes you have to pick up other people's trash. People will be picking up this trash for a very Four long time. days. This sort of reminds me of the end of that movie Wally. -E. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, you just repurpose these planes and they become vintage, and then it's like rat rods. In like 80 years, there's me flying around in like 747s from or, the 90s. Or what happens when we start housing the homeless in, in oh. Mojave in the airplane graveyard? You know, it does remind me. Did you ever see the movie SWAT? Who's in that? Mm -hmm. No. Colin Farrell. The Rock? No, not The Rock. This is older. This okay. is like late 90s. Okay. Anyway, like I do know that one of the things that they do now, this is in no way impacting the entire boneyard, but they do use them as training modules for, um, you know, marsh air marshals, yeah, military okay. and stuff like that. You know, because you can, it's it's almost like when they build those buildings for the firefighters mm -hmm. that are they can withstand a ton of different stuff. Yeah, where they take the old cars and they work on the jaws of life and stuff yeah, on them. I, uh, but that's a very small amount. Small, yeah, you need one or two. Yeah, we don't need thousands. But listen, there's going to be some venture capitalist who's going to say, I'll, I will buy your junk airplanes and we will convert them into uh, low-income housing. Right, I mean, isn't that it? We figured out that the people who get the richest... By the way, you heard it here first, so I, I want to cut. Yeah, <laughs> the people who are the richest are the ones who find solutions to problems. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, we make enough problems for the future capitalist to figure out and i'm hoping someday we can also capitalize on these solutions and, and make some dollars that would be nice because we've got a lot to say that would be nice i i missed you happy new year i'm glad you survived i survived i'm, I'm stronger i'm better for it and you i'm looking look stronger i do yeah i've been eating a lot mm. yeah and well, a new haircut. Guys, make sure you follow us on uh, Instagram at The Common Counterpart. We will be posting images this whole month as we do the Forgotten series. And uh, we will see you soon. Bye.